This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Okay, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 5 again, and uh, we'll have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again look to You tonight, Lord, asking for Your enablement here so that um, we do everything with the uh, intention of honoring You. Lord, I ask that You enable me to deliver the message You would have delivered with clarity and accuracy. And Lord, please open all of our ears to hear what You are saying. So vital uh, that we hear and understand Your truth. Lord, uh, we pray that You sanctify us by Your truth. And we know uh, Your Word is truth. Use it to separate us from this world so that our affections, our desires, little by little, more and more, torn away from this world and the things of this world. And so that increasingly, Lord, You you become our focus, the object of our affections. Again, may it all be for our edification for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Any questions on what I mentioned? I talked about this morning? I want to give opportunity if there is because we covered uh, a lot of ground this morning as far as uh, verses. Anything? In fact, I'm going to Go back into it a little bit here. Okay. Just want to give opportunity and, and just keep that in mind because I'll, I'll do that from time to time. And uh, I just don't want uh, somebody to have unanswered questions or, or uh, I would hate for that to happen. You know, there's a lot of times I've, I've gone away from, a, 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 you know, hearing a sermon or whatever and, and wishing I could have asked, uh, you know, what, what did he mean by that? <laughs> or or whatever. Uh, what wonder what why he didn't go into that particular passage? What 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 is what's Jesus saying there or something like that? So I, I wouldn't want to pass up opportunity for that. All right. Um, now let's go back again. What I want to do is is just kind of uh, uh, look at this again. I'm not going to read the whole passage tonight, uh, but I want us to look again at verse 20, verse 48, and then consider some of the things that Jesus says. Here in between, and then uh, probably on into uh, chapter six this evening, uh, in the very uh, well, in the first couple of verses of chapter six. Um, again, as I mentioned this morning, uh, what we have here is is uh, what I would say is the, the beatitudes in action. So Jesus sets the stage for this sermon when he gives us the beatitudes, and as we've said many times, uh, what we have there. Are in the Beatitudes, what we have there are attributes or qualities 
of the Christian, the genuine Christian, the kingdom heir is basically the way Jesus is saying it. This, this is how someone who inherits the kingdom looks. This is how they act. This is how they are different from the world. They've got a different mindset. They view things differently. Different goals. Different desires. This is the kingdom heir. Poor in spirit. They've got a different view of self. You see that in verse 3 and uh, verse 4 and verse 5. They're poor in spirit. They, they mourn. And as we suggested when we were dealing with that verse, they're mourning over their own sin and the sin of the world and the condition of people in the world who are affected by sin. They are meek because um, we are meek because we have nothing of which to boast. We have nothing to bring to the Lord and say, here's, here's, here's what I bring to the table here. Here's, here's what I offer. We have nothing. And we hunger and thirst for righteousness because, again, uh, there's a void in our life apart from Christ. We have no righteousness. So the true Christian, the true kingdom heir, hungers and thirsts for righteousness, is merciful, pure in heart. They are peacemakers. And we saw that illustrated, uh, well, all of these things really illustrated quite a bit in the verses we covered this morning, uh, verses uh, 21 through 48, uh, which again just, just expounds on these things. They're, they're merciful, they're peacemakers, they're pure in heart, and... Uh, Rejoice when they are persecuted. So the Beatitude sets the stage for all he's saying here, and now he's expounding on those things. What does it mean, for example, to be meek? How does that play out? What does it mean to be pure in heart? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? What would that look like in a given situation? So that's what Jesus is doing now. Now, let me say this too, because as he's laying these out as characteristics of the believer... He's setting this up as true righteousness in the, in the sense of practical righteousness. Um, just to put it simply, typically when we, when we uh, contrast believers against the world, um, we use terms like believer and unbeliever, but we also talk about, we also use terms like righteous and wicked. Are the righteous and the unrighteous? Well, why do we do that? What do we mean by that? Because the truth is, if you're talking about sinless perfection, none of us are righteous, right? As a matter of fact, let's let's don't even take it that far. Let's just say, if you're if you're talking about absence of uh, of uh, sin, oh, let's say for a minute, <laughs> How about ten seconds. Two seconds. Well, we still don't fall in that category. So if we're not righteous, how can we refer to ourselves as righteous? How, how does the Bible refer to us as righteous? Um, well, because it's often referring here to a practical righteousness. In other words, it's talking about how we live out our belief system. How we live in this world. How we differ from the world, and I think that's really what Jesus is talking about here. And I want to, I want to kind of emphasize that. And let me say this first: um, when we talk about salvation or pleasing God, 
Now, that's where Paul's going in Romans 3 when he says, there are none righteous. No, not one. None of us have, have one ounce of genuine righteousness that we can take before the Lord and say, look, I did this right, Lord. I get a good grade for this, right? None of us. There are none righteous, no, not one. None who seek after God, right? So, when we talk in terms of, of uh, pleasing God, doing uh, things that would impress God or that God would accept, um, it's just not there because of our sinfulness, because of our corrupt nature. But again, when we talk about practical righteousness, what we mean by that is just living out the Christian life. Um, it, it is, as, as I've already pointed out several times, it is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, producing fruit. So, these attributes, poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, um, these, these are not things we can just produce. These are qualities produced by the Holy Spirit. In us, it's it's fruit of the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in us. It is, uh, you could say it this way, a manifestation of the Spirit's presence within us. So, when we talk about um, works and grace, for example, we need to understand that. That it's true. We are saved by grace, by faith. We're saved by grace through faith alone. There's nothing you can add to that. Absolutely nothing. But, it's not a salvation void of works. Works come with it. Genuine salvation, when there's genuine salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, it is accompanied by works. Good works. Let me just say it this way. When the Holy Spirit moves into the life of an individual, (laughs) I mean, we're talking about the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God moves into the life of an individual and creates life in that individual, uh, there's going to be a difference. There's going to be a difference. There's, there's a difference between a dead body and a live body. There's, there's just a difference. When, there, when life is present, there are vital signs. So what Jesus is describing here is characteristics of the believer, but it's the product of the Holy Spirit. It's the product of the new birth, product of regeneration. It's the product of the sanctification process. And as I already said before, I think um, he's not saying this is true in some believers. He's not saying some believers are pure in heart and others are poor in spirit and some mourn. No, it's not like the, the... Spiritual gifts. He's saying when somebody comes to faith, when somebody is saved by the grace of God, they are so radically changed to the core that these things, very characteristics of God, begin to manifest in them because God Himself is present in them. God's presence makes a difference. 
So these are characteristics of the Christian because of the work of God within us. And he begins to spell that out in the verses that we dealt with this morning. Now, let me point this out again, and this is uh, mainly what I kind of want to focus on tonight. Again, verses 20 and verse 48, which sandwich all these verses we talked about this morning. Jesus, again, here is contrasting the righteousness of believers with that of unbelievers. Specifically here, the scribes and the Pharisees. So, again, his point, I would say, in verse 20, is that for the children of the kingdom, or are the children of the kingdom, are radically different from the world. Well, we could say it this way. God's religion, you know, true religion, God's religion is radically different from that of man, the scribes and the Pharisees. Their, their practice, their religion is totally self-centered. It's totally self-righteous. Uh, they are doing works that they consider uh, to be acceptable and approved before God and ignoring uh, the fact that their hearts are corrupt, which in turn corrupts whatever they do. Um, their religion is full of ritualism, full of you know, things to do, full of ceremonies, but void of mercy and justice and love for God. Jesus tells them that. So, he's, he's, as we said this morning, He sets up a standard here. For the children of the kingdom, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. So it, it goes beyond it. You know what, what you're doing, right, when you exceed the speed limit. <laughs> you, you meet it, and then you go beyond it. And that's, that's exceeding it. In other words, it's, it's not the speed limit's 55 and you're doing 35, you're not exceeding the speed limit. If the speed limit's 55 and you're doing 55, you're not exceeding the speed limit. You've got to go beyond it. That's what Jesus is saying about the righteousness of the Pharisees. We, we, we don't do less than they did. We don't do the same that things that they did. We exceed it. Go beyond it. Your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, or you don't enter the kingdom. That's verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom. Now, there's two ways of, of, uh, of taking that, I would say. One, it, it may be that Jesus is simply referring to imputed righteousness. Right? He's, he says, your, your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And, and what he means by that, if, if this is the case, what he means by that is, um, your righteousness, righteousness is going to exceed theirs because... Jesus would say, your righteousness is my righteousness. It's, it's, it's my righteousness put to your account, and therefore it exceeds uh, that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, that's certainly true. That's certainly a true statement. May, that may be what he's saying here. I don't think that's what he's saying. 
Um, but, but it could be, and it's certainly true. And as I already said, that certainly is the only way we're going to be saved, is for Christ's righteousness to be put to our account. But, taken in the context here, again, it seems to me that he's referring to practical righteousness, meaning the way you live out your life has got to be radically different from the way the scribes and the Pharisees live out their life. And then he goes on to explain that. For example, verse 21. You're, You're not satisfied with the letter of the law. You shall not murder. A true believer exceeds that, goes beyond that, and desires to keep the intent of the law or the spirit of the law, which is that you don't even hate. You don't even speak spitefully to somebody. You don't demean other people. Why? Because you see them as created in the image of the God whom you love and serve. And so, in that sense, you exceed. And the Pharisees um, weren't necessarily murderers, but we see plenty of evidence here that they uh, were void of love. And mercy. As a matter of fact, twice Jesus quotes Hosea 2.23. Uh, the first time is in Matthew 9.13. But go and learn, he tells, he tells them, go and learn what this means. And here's the quote. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And that's from Hosea chapter 2. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And Jesus tells them, go, go learn what this means. And then he says of himself, For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He, he's showing mercy on sinners. In fact, they accused him of being a, uh, a friend of sinners. Gluttons and wine-bibbers. In fact, they accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard. And Jesus told him, you, you need to learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. He repeats it again in Matthew 12. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So the, scribe, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, that is, their their uh, religion, their traditions being lived out was full of all kinds of show, all kinds of commitment, but void of love, void of mercy. Uh, and, and by the way, show is bad, of course, but uh, commitment is not bad. And the Pharisees were very committed uh, that's not a bad thing. And yet, it was unacceptable uh, from them. Their commitment was unacceptable because of uh, the hardness of their heart. <clears throat> Spurgeon says, We should reach after completeness in love. Fullness of love to all around us. Love is the bond of perfectness. And if we have perfect love, it will form in us a perfect character. Here is that which we aim here is that which we aim at, perfection like that of God. 
Here is the manner of obtaining it, namely, by abounding in love. (laughs) Because as children, we ought to resemble our Father. This is what was lacking in the righteousness of the Pharisees. No love. No love. No love for people. Um, No real love for God. No real love for God's truth, although they were very, very committed, um, supposedly, to uh, the Word, you know, the law and the keeping of the law. Um, even, Even down to, for example, in tithing, Tithing the, the 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 littlest things, um, Jesus says in Matthew twenty three twenty three, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe on mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected." Now those are just herbs. In other words, if they had a little increase on the on these herbs, um, not, not just like a, a field full of crops, but just these little. Uh, herbs that they uh, might grow. And if they had an increase on those, they were that meticulous that they would keep up with that and make sure that they tithe. And Jesus said, You pay tithe on mint, anus, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And He's not saying they shouldn't have done the other tithing on the herbs, but he's saying they did that to the neglect of the things that mattered most. Justice, mercy, and faith. So, uh, how would our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees? Um, By giving attention to the weightier matters. Making, as Spurgeon said, making love our, our aim. Going after perfection in that sense. And I do think that's what he's talking about here. Calvin says it this way. This, this perfection, he's referring to verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the other half of the sandwich I mentioned earlier. Um, the, other half, the other slice of bread in the sandwich, put it that way. Um, this perfection, Calvin says, does not mean equality. In other words, equality with God. This profession does not mean equality, but relates solely to resemblance. That's what Spurgeon said, wasn't it? As children, we ought to resemble our Father. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, in all these verses, in this whole section, that's what Jesus is saying. It's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's what He's saying in verse 48. You shall be perfect as your Father is perfect. So Calvin says, this perfection does not mean equality, but relates solely to resemblance. However distant we are from the perfection of God, we are said to be perfect, as He is perfect, when we aim at the same object which He presents to us in Himself. So, again, He, he, he even uses the word aim. Sounds like Spurgeon was reading Calvin, doesn't it? More than likely so. <laughs> Calvin uses the word aim. And uh, says that it is, it is talking here about resemblance to the Father. And that's what, again, that's Jesus' point. Heirs of the kingdom, children of the kingdom, if they are indeed children of the kingdom, resemble their heavenly Father. 
there's, there's, a, there's a family resemblance. That's the righteousness that he's talking about. The scribes and the Pharisees and their own man-made traditions, their own man-made, man-contrived righteousness, bore no resemblance to God. And so when Jesus had mercy on the multitudes, when Jesus had mercy on sinners, when He sat down with them and talked with them and invited them to come and believe and be a part of the kingdom, the scribes and the Pharisees were indignant. How can this man sit at table with sinners? He was doing the work of the Father and they had absolutely no resemblance to the Father. You know why? Jesus told them why in John 8. You're of your father, the devil. Now, they did resemble their father, but they didn't resemble God. So, that's the distinction Jesus is drawing here. Your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. You should have, you will have, as children of the kingdom, as believers, you will resemble your heavenly Father. Be perfect as He is perfect. So, um, for example, how we relate to other people. You shall not murder. Fulfilling that law is, 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 is again, gets back, goes back to uh, uh, fulfilling the, the full intent of it. The spirit of the law. That you don't do other people wrong. Because you see them as equally created in the image of God. You don't demean them. You don't commit adultery. The children of the kingdom don't commit adultery. Because again, we bear resemblance to our Father. God hates uh, divorce. He hates adultery. In fact, read Hosea and you will see God's response to an adulterous uh, wife, Israel. It's mercy. Mercy. Instead of just, as the Pharisees would have, instead of just trying to fulfill the letter of the law, and uh, you shall not commit adultery, Jesus says, well, you, if you even look upon a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. So, the, the, the children of the, of the kingdom are, are concerned with this. They're concerned, concerned with uh, having a pure heart. They do have a pure heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. And they're sincere, as we mentioned this morning, in their speech. It's your yes be yes, your no be no. They don't take revenge. Verse 38, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other. Jesus is saying, again, here's a radical difference between heirs of the kingdom and the rest of the world. There's, there's no uh, interest in self Preservation in that sense. You're not, you're not trying to save your own life, save your own reputation, because you don't see yourself as being above anybody else. In fact, you see yourself as being a stranger in this world, unworthy of God's grace. And uh, uh, perhaps, if we're thinking right, not surprised when bad things happen. So Jesus says, you don't, you don't, Seek revenge. You don't resist evil. And you love your 
enemies, not just your neighbor. Now, we know from the, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, when Jesus was asked, well, who, who is my neighbor? <laughs> See, again, they're, they're trying to narrow the law so that they can, they, down to make it fit what they want it to fit. By, by neighbor, God must mean people in my community that are, that are like me. You know, basically the same as me. And, and so therefore I like them. That must be who God is telling me to love. And Jesus gives the story of the Good Samaritan and He chooses, um, as an example, a Samaritan who the Jews hated. And He's basically telling them, this is your neighbor and everybody out there is your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And then here He goes beyond that and says, love your enemies. Why? Because this is what God does. Verse 45. 44 and 45. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He's talking about that resemblance. You love like God loves. Love your enemies so that you may be sons of your Father. That is, so that you may display... Characteristics of the Father, because this is what He does. He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. Sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is good, and He loves, and He loves and does good to all His creation. In fact, we read a verse this morning, uh, Psalm 145.9. The Lord is good to all. And His tender mercies are over all His works. Now, that's, that's the kind of uh, attribute that Jesus is talking about reflecting here. Be like your heavenly Father. In fact, again, that's what He's saying true believers will be. Sons of the kingdoms will be. You love your enemies because this again reflects the character of God. He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Children of God are to resemble our Father. We are, there should be um, family resemblance. Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, we should be merciful Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, who uh, many of whom were self-righteous, so you know we all seen the example. He, the, the, the Pharisee says, "Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that uh, sinner over there." Unlike that, the true believers are poor in spirit, meek, and we don't see ourselves as being 
above anybody. We've had, at least to some extent, we've had our eyes open to who we are. I mean, why, why do we have this attitude of poverty of spirit, meekness? Well, because God has, again, to some extent, He has shown us our depravity. Now, that, that's what drove us to cry out for mercy from Christ in the first place. So there's a resemblance. So there's a contrast. Believers, unbelievers. Children of the kingdom, the rest of the world. And even in religion. This is a striking thing. So like I said this morning, um, you know, the Pharisees are the conservative believers, quote-unquote, of their day. These are not liberals. What we would term liberals. Now, they weren't going around saying the Bible is not the Word of God. Or that, you know, uh, Adam and Eve weren't real. Or that Jonah didn't really get swallowed up by a great fish. Or those kinds of things. They, they weren't denying the truth of the Scripture. They were proclaiming the truth of the Scripture. And, and at least professing to believe in it. So much so that the Lord said in Isaiah, with your lips, you draw close to me. You draw nigh unto me. But your heart is far from me. Now that, that's a righteousness that is purely of man. Bears no resemblance to God. It's a righteousness that is totally consists of Outward things, ceremonialism, professions of the mouth. With your lips you draw close to me. Sacrifices. So Jesus says, I'd rather have mercy than sacrifice. Go learn what that means. They're trying to impress God. And Jesus is saying their form of righteousness is inadequate. They will not, with that righteousness, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's true of you and I as well. It's not merely outward. It's inward. It's a work of the heart. So that you don't even think evil against your brother. So that you don't even desire to commit adultery with a woman. So that you, you don't divorce. That would be a last option. So that you don't speak lightly, but you speak with sincerity. Your righteousness, Jesus says, must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. It's got to be a matter of the heart. It's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be, it's got to be God Himself in you, working through you. 
your, your righteousness has to be produced by God. It's got to be the work of His Spirit. There's no other way to get this kind of love <laughs> that Jesus is describing here. A human being can't produce it. And I'll admit, I've been amazed. You read stories sometimes about uh, people who aren't even Christians, you know, who do uh, what, what seem to be, like, at least uh, outwardly, amazing sacrifices for other people. And you're struck by that. And this person's not even a Christian. And they seem to be displaying an awesome degree of love. But God sees the heart. And this kind of love that Jesus is talking about is produced no other way but by the work of God Himself. It's a manifestation of His presence in us because we are His children. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Your work, Your sanctifying grace, power of Your Spirit, changing our hearts, changing our minds, even our conduct, enabling us to do what we would never conceive of or do on our own. And Lord, we continue to pray that You mold us Make us, change us, conform us to the image of Christ so that uh, more and more, day by day, we are displaying a clearer, better picture of You and who You are. By Your power, enable us to display Your character for the world. Grant, Lord, that we may have a greater desire to reach the lost with the Gospel in our own community and around the globe. May we see reality for what it is and understand that lost souls are truly on a path to hell. Grant that we may have a burden to get the gospel message to them and that we may do it with compassion, motivated by love, love for you and love for them. And Lord, grant that we may have such a love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we will desire our own edification, our own maturity, growth, and that of brothers and sisters around us, so that we work together toward that end. Again, so that as individuals and so that as a church, we may reflect Your glory, display Your character. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.